Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Gate 7 International, your number one English source for all things Olivia Goss. We're back. I'm your co-host, Gosta. I'm joined with Ari tonight. Ladies and gents, white smoke. Finally, it seems we have a new coach, Marca, a big Spanish sports daily out of Madrid. Uh, reported today that Diego Martinez will be signing a two-year contract until 2025. He's expected in Athens now, according to Greek reports on, on Tuesday. So finally, looks like this um, soap opera is over, or in Greek, dosirial. Um, normally, the soap operas don't end well with transfer stories and, and other things that we followed over the years, but it looks like this one is uh, is going to cross the finish line and Diego Martinez is expected in Athens on Tuesday as we say in Greek as well Tokalo Brama Argina Yini and we're here today again um Ari's going to unpack the tactics and analyze Diego Martinez playing style coaching style we've got insights into what happened to Espanyol I know a lot of you have been saying on socials yeah, but because of the season that Espanyol had, because Espanyol got relegated, we've got context for that too. So do stick around. We've got the latest team news, what's going on with transfers, ins and outs, the 17 loan players that we have. Lots to talk about today, ladies and gentlemen. But before we dive into all of that, make sure to hit that like button, subscribe, help the community to keep growing and do make sure to keep those comments coming in the chat as well. We'll address those comments um, throughout the show. So great to have you with us. Ari, what's up? What's going on, man? Uh, really quickly, we should also wish a happy Father's Day to all of the fathers that are in our audience. Gosa, you are a father. I'm a father. Happy Father's, Father's, Father's Day to us. And uh, as I mentioned, you know, I wanted to be inclusive of Marcial, Lambro, and Costa. You know, if she calls you daddy, you can celebrate too. So everybody can celebrate uh, Father's Day if you meet that criteria. So I'm happy to be here, guys. There's a lot to unpack with Diego Martinez, especially because there's uh, – I saw I saw quite a bit of negativity, understandable, uh, that people had about him. So I hope that I can do exactly what I did when Carlos Corberan came in and give you guys some insight on how Olympiacos could shape up with him. But he's a very interesting coach to discuss. And big ups to all the longtime followers, uh, people like Andreas, Manos, um, some new people chiming in as well. Stathis, good evening, guys. Um, e each and every one, thanks for tuning in. It's going to be a really good episode, guys. Um, I think you know we really needed this news as well. We needed the uncertainty to end about the coach and things can, can start to happen. Shall we shall we start diving into things slowly but surely? Yeah, why not? Let's do it. Uh, do you want to start with uh, the coach or do you want to get started with some of the player news real quick? I think I think people are tuning in tonight because they want to know more about the coach. But we can come to the players. That works for Let's me. That works it. for me. So I think then... Uh, as you guys know, we should go into a couple of quick things first. You guys want to know the profile of Diego Martinez. Uh, I'll give you a very quick profile, just kind of like how I do with the deep dives on on what type of coach he is and what we can expect. Then I'm going to do it a little differently. I'm going to go through a little bit of his history to give everyone context of what he's accomplished so far. So 
as far as formation goes, I've seen a lot of people talk about 4-2-3-1, for this and that, and that's true. The formation he's used the most since he became a coach, uh, I should say uh, a main coach, a primary manager, uh, that is 4-2-3-1. That is the one he uses the most, but it is not the only formation he uses. Diego Martinez is not a one-trick pony. He does not stick with one scheme, and then that's what you see the whole time. This guy will make adjustments, one, depending on the player and personnel that we have, but also depending on who we're playing against. I've seen him use 5-2-3. I've seen him use 4-4-2. I've seen him use 4-3-3. And when we get into the discussion about his formation and shapes, in the in when we do not have the ball or when his teams do not have the ball, don't be surprised if you see the shape kind of pan out into a little bit of a 5-4-1. Again, that's on the defensive end. The consistent things, though, that you will see, regardless of the team that he's coaching, is a couple of things. First, he presses very high. Very high defensive line, usually, and a very intense press, especially considering the talent that's at his disposal. The And the press is very aggressive in terms of actions per pure minute of opposing possession. So you like to see that his PPDAs are always under 10, average, so very high press, very aggressive press, one way or another. His teams are also usually really good on set pieces. I see a lot of goals come off of set pieces from him. A lot of movement, uh, very aggressive on those set pieces, so something to keep an eye on. And probably one of the more important things and and a reason that he is coming to a club like Olympiacos is that this guy is a project coach. He can work on a budget, and he's he does very well with kind of gathering what's around him. The coaches, the teams that he's taken over have been in most cases, disaster scenarios when he takes over and he fixes up and makes something usually uh, Espanol uh, as the exception, makes something out of those things. So as I mentioned, it's really important that we go through the history of Diego Martinez, because I've already seen, I've already seen a lot of people complaining about it. You guys are already getting questions. I, I will get to those things. I promise you. Uh, I'll address your questions, and if I haven't, we'll touch on it after the fact. But when he first got into the coaching sphere, he was actually discovered by Monchi when he was playing at Sevilla. You guys might recognize him. He was a, a sporting director at Roma for a while, and he was the sporting director at Sevilla when Unai Emery was the coach. So he, uh, Diego Martinez was the assistant manager under Unai Emery when Sevilla won the Europa League that season. It was the 2013-2014 season. Now, when he broke off and decided to go on his own, his first coaching gig was at Osasuna. Osasuna, in that first year as a coach with him, he missed promotion by one point. He had the best defense in the Segunda Division. His first coaching gig. And as we all know, and this is where he kind of made his name, was going to Grenada the following year. He was brought in by none other than Olympiacos' current sporting director, Antonio Cordon. And he took this Grenada team, which, while he coached Osasuna, finished in 10th place. Horrible. He had a budget of 80,000 euros. He had the second lowest overall goals conceded. Lowest overall expected goals conceded, got promotion with the sixth highest ball possession overall in the Segunda Division and the lowest transfer budget. And he achieved all of that with Grenada while playing some pretty attractive football to get them promoted. Now, when he made it to La Liga in that first year, all but three of his players had La Liga experience. 
And those three players that had La Liga experience were the ones that he brought in. So none of the players he had while he was at Grenada actually had experience in La Liga. He had one of the five lowest budgets that summer for La Liga. Spent only 12 million euros that season or that summer leading into that. He he was sixth in overall goal score, eighth in goals conceded, seventh in expected goals conceded, while still having the seventh most shots against. He had the fifth lowest XG per shot. So to give you guys an idea, this man had one of the highest volumes of shots against his team, against his goalkeeper, yet somehow they managed to have the fifth lowest XG per shot. That is a tight defense and a defense that did not allow very threatening opportunities. In that next year in that in La Liga, his third season there, their second year in La Liga, they, of course, made Europa League, as you guys may know. Uh, they spent a little bit more money. They spent about 20 million euro. Uh, that was their one, the seventh highest budget that year. Uh, they ended the season in in ninth. That was the their which was a I think it was a position lower than they finished the previous season. But they made it to the quarterfinals of the Copa del Rey and the quarterfinals of Europa League. So they were playing in three competitions. Uh, now you did see a much more defensive brand of ball, more, a little bit more conservative because three competitions, and of course he's he's using uh, a lot more players, so he played a little bit more conservatively. We noticed that, but he still ended up. Uh, 10th in terms of overall goals scored, uh, but he did have the most goals conceded, second highest in terms of expected goals conceded. But some things that were missed in that is that he had the seventh most dual wins per match and the seventh most interceptions. Uh, again, all of this is related to his super high press, uh, which is very interesting considering, again, the type of budget he had, the type of players he had while he was at Grenada. Lastly, and this is the one that everybody freaks out about, is Espanol. Now, Costa, I know you have some more information on this, but just to give you guys some numbers about his time here at Espanol, they only spent, the summer he came in, 1.9 million euros. Again, he had one of the lowest budgets in La Liga this past season. Yet somehow they still ended up with the sixth highest goal scored and the seventh highest XG overall in La Liga. But of course, what everybody is focusing on is the fact that he had the most goals conceded. But there's something I should tell you. This is inside the data. His defense was underperforming. No surprise, because in terms of XG per shot, they were actually 10th overall. So underperforming in a big way. Uh, now, Costa, uh, it's just some more to kind of explain the calamity of a situation, as Lambro would like to call it, at Espanol. Tell everybody exactly what happened at Espanol. Right, so I um, I remembered that when I was playing football here, I used to play with a guy that's a big Espanol fan, and I called him today. And I hadn't talked to any Espanol fans. Like I'd done my research on on the coach by looking at YouTube videos, looking at past interviews. I even watched the uh, the press conference that he gave when he, you know, was sacked from Espanol, and. I talked to the guy and honestly, like the context that he gave me is, is absolutely fantastic. And Ari, you mentioned, um, you know, he, they were leaking a lot of goals this season. Yes. They signed three keepers in the last season, but let mm -hmm. me, let me start from the beginning. Espanol is a team that's Chinese owned. Their owner turns up around once a year via zoom is what I was told. It's a very, 
you know, it's a badly run club. And the relationship of owners with La Liga and with the referees is also an important factor in La Liga, not only in the Greek Super League. Second thing is, overall, the, the planning was absolutely terrible um, the season that went by. Martinez didn't get any of the players that he wanted to suit the type of football that he really wants to play. We know he's he's versatile, he's flexible in his tactical approach. I've heard him in one of his press conferences, uh, he was asked, what kind of football do you, do you want your teams to play? And I'm sure it's a question that he's going to get from the Greek media as well. His answer to the question was, if I have lemons, I'll make lemonade. And if I have oranges, I'll make orange juice. So he'll make do with what he has. Yeah. Okay. And, you know, you said it already. He's very flexible in his tactical approach. He he likes to start out with that 4-2-3-1 with an engancho behind the striker. He likes to play, from what I've seen, with a small undersized striker as well. Maybe good news for Pep Biel. Yep. Um, We'll see. But let's go back to Espanyol for a minute. So goalkeeper was a massive issue for them uh, at the beginning of the season because Diego Lopez left the club on a free transfer. I think he's aged, you know, he's 40 or something now. He was he was their number one goalkeeper for about seven seasons. And so he was moved on and they signed, they initially signed Lecomte on loan from Monaco. He was the number two over at Atletico Madrid last season. They also signed Alvaro Fernandez from Brentford. He was Brentford's number two behind David Raya, but he barely played anyway by january lecomte's loan was terminated fernandez was a calamity and then they signed pacheco from almeria who was available on a free in the summer and then they paid two and a half million for him in january so that already says a lot about the team like when you don't have someone like under the sticks that gives confidence to the defence as well, and you're changing keepers all the time, not good. Um, The other example of just how much of a shit show it has been at Espanyol is Raul de Tomas. Many of you will know him from, you know, his his time on loan from Real Madrid. You know, big goal scorer. He signed for Benfica a couple of seasons ago for 20 million. And then... You know, didn't have a great season at Benfica and Espanyol bought him back to Spain for 22 and a half million. And they sold him at the start of last season to Rayo Vallecano for 8 million plus 3 million in add-ons. So, you know, you hear all of that and you're thinking, oh my God. Right? But those are for me really good examples to give you, you know, about what was going on at Espanyol. Um Really, as I said, I, I, I talked to I talk to one person I know that supports the team, but generally talking to him and, and looking over social media and you know around his around Martinez's sacking, you really get the feeling that it wasn't his fault. Even at the press conference after he was sacked, the, the press room was applauding him on his way out. So you know, for everyone that's concerned about what happened at Espanyol and some people that are going a bit too far and saying, oh, you know, he got he got Espanyol relegated. No. He did what he could 
with the cards that he was dealt at Espanyol. He changed tactics to suit the players that he had. And for a while, it worked at Espanyol last season, but then they had quite a few injuries. And slowly but surely, they also became very one-dimensional in terms of the way they could play. They became predictable and it all started going downhill. Yeah, so I think the Espanol context is really important here. We Also, Cordon, we know that he had a really good working relationship with him in the first two seasons of Granada. Cordon was there for two seasons, the first two seasons. He wasn't there the third one. But this is really important. Like, who who's going to be around Diego Martinez? There's a whole new setup at Olympiacos right now. Even for Cordon, this is a massive experiment. This is like we, Olympiacos has never had a proper sporting director, technical director, like we see it in, in clubs ac- across Europe. Right. And, and we, even we, not quite sure how things are working right now. My feeling is from everything that we've been seeing the last few weeks is that Antonio Cordon is keeping things quite close to the chest. There's not a lot of information going out to the Greek press. All of the information that we've been trying to get for like transfers or you know with the coach, it's all coming out of Spanish media. It's not it's not being filtered like it normally has been the last couple of years via the Greek media. It's it's different. You can feel that by reading the press every day. They don't know as much. And I think that 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 shows you something a little bit about how how things are working. You know, one one question that I have is what's going on with the decision making? You know, has has Mr. Marinak is really given the keys over to Cordon. What's the decision-making process? Cordon directly to, with Marinakis? That's what I think. Some people saying, you know, does does Cordon have to go to Vredzos? What what's the what's the hierarchy there? But for, from what it seems right now to me, Cordon is keeping things very close to the chest, and I wanna, you know. I I have a feeling that you know he's done his homework when it comes to the players that he wants and that's maybe part of the reason why things have taken so long like they've sat down they've talked they've not just talked about the finances the his contract but the the players because this team needs a, a massive rebuild we all we all know that and guys we need to be patient we can't just expect this guy to come in and flip the switch we can't expect him to come in and flip the switch immediately and go from, you know, and go and play Valverde football. Okay, calma. Like, he needs time. We need to make the, the signings. We need to be a bit patient here. But but overall, like, this is a player, uh, sorry, a manager that we find because of because of what he did at Granada, what, what he showed us there. And I think, you know, his his background, the people he's worked with, he's come from nothing. He's come from, like, you know, r- grassroots football in Sevilla. People like Monchi dug him out. Like people see have seen something in him. And one last thing, and I'll shut up. If he didn't have that shit season, now at Espanol, he wouldn't be here. Right. That that is a hundred percent true. And that's kind of the caveat I was gonna bring up to people. If had he succeeded Espanol, do you really think there was any shot for us to get him here? No, I mean, the the, con- the context maybe isn't 100% similar to Pedro Martins, but 
if if Pedro Martins had great success or amazing success with anybody that was even just a little bit higher tier of a club in Portugal, we never would have sniffed it either. So it's these types of scenarios where we're finding ourselves where we can get these coaches. Uh, and and this one, this one, there's a lot of great context here. And I think before we share our opinions, because a lot of people are asking, do you like him? Do you not like him? Uh, There was a question about possession. I think Manos G7 had it, but I can't find it here. All I'm going to say is this. Uh, You are correct in that if you look at his last couple of seasons, especially um, since since being in La Liga, uh, the average for his teams is to have less possession, especially Espanol. Grenada, there's a lot more context. Even... Diego Martinez admitted that because of the fact that he was in Europe in three competitions, he had he was more conservative because he did not believe that he could stress his players with how high his press is, how intense of a pressing system that he has. He knew he could not work everybody the way that he worked them in previous seasons playing in two competitions. Well, in reality, in some cases it was one because they would get knocked out of the cup pretty early. So they were playing in one, in one competition. He could press as high and as intense as he wanted, and he didn't have to worry about it. But then all of a sudden he's in three competitions. He had to take, settle things down a bit. You can't run your guys like that all day, every day. You, you guys remember how things were both, both, both times that we were coached by um, the, the one, the only Ernesto Valverde, right? You guys remember that game, the the Europe the Europa League, uh, what was it, round of sixteen against Metallist? Do you guys remember? It was like the seventy seventh minute. Our guys looked dead, and we and we ended up not progressing because towards the end of the game, our guys had been full court pressing for so long that they were just dead, and and the and Metallist was able to score two goals because they just had more gas in the tank. So. He was he he understands that he's a very pragmatic coach, and that's something I'm going to get into. Um, we have I have the little tactics board set up here. I'm going to share my screen with you guys. Uh, first, we'll do we'll do the 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 general tactics flow. Uh, again, we're going to assume that we're running a four two three one because that's what he uses the most, even though he does do other things. But I'm going to focus here primarily on. What I saw, no matter what scheme he uses, the consistency with which the ball movement happens so that you guys can get an idea of what we could see with Olympiacos. After this, we will share with you a little bit more context. We'll share with you our opinions on the matter. But we're going to start with just his general formation, how the ball moves in open play. So this is, he's a Spanish coach and most Spanish coaches, they play the ball at the back. So when you have a dead ball system, like here, there's a goal kick. You're going to see your center backs as always, uh, same again, same with most Spanish coaches. They're going to drop back to receive the ball. The ball's going to go to one of these players here. Now what's going to end up happening is as the ball gets distributed, your wing backs are going to go wide. Again, this is nothing new. This is nothing too crazy. Uh, this is what we expect, especially from uh, an Olympiacos team that we want to be more offensive oriented. The ball is going to come out here usually wide unless a team is pressing high and trying to take width away. If they leave it open, it'll come to the to the center. Um, either way, whether it's coming out wide first or going to the center first, this is eventually where the pivot point will be that we want the ball to go. Because in the systems of Diego Martinez, he does stress width. So once the ball eventually gets to this middle part here, we're going to see runs from the wingers going wide. Now, the idea is that 
they make the runs wide. A midfielder will get drawn to the ball here. And either the ball can get played to assistance from your 10 or from your, we'll call him the little man. Uh, if there's no space or there's no open lane to play the ball wide here, or if there's an overcommitment by the, the midfield and the defense, you will see this long ball come wide. This is very, very frequent. So we will, we will need to have a midfielder that is capable of making some of these long balls. Uh, think of it like kind of how Jan and Vila plays for us now. The only difference is these midfielders, these guys better be able to work because in this system, they are moving up and back. This is, this is a, it can be a very direct system in this scheme. However, in, in the cases, which is most of the game where these long ball lanes aren't open, this is going to require a lot of pass and move. It's going to require your wingbacks getting in further elevated positions so that the ball can be worked. Now, this is generally how we'll see a lot of things move. Um, it's very, very basic uh, in that respect. Now, what you're going to notice also is uh, I know a lot of people talk about oh the schemes with the schemes with Diego Martinez they they leave us to leak goals that's why he concedes so many goals that's actually not really the case because you're going to notice even though both of these fullbacks when the ball we're going to put the ball back here to the goalkeeper uh, when the ball is played to the center back both of these fullbacks are going to spread out right. Um, you're going to have another center back that's going to go wide waiting for the ball here. You're going to have at least one center mid that's going to show for the ball here. The other is going to stay further forward. Once the ball gets played, especially if it's played directly to the, the, the wing back here, this wing back will usually go forward with the ball. Now what's going to happen is the midfield, the, sorry, the midfield, the defensive line is going to settle into a back three. The other wing back is going to sit in line with the other two center backs. Uh, you will have a midfielder here. He's not really playing as a pivot because both of these midfielders have to move forward. They have to move forward. They have to present options to the ball and they have to be involved in this offense. Now, Ideally, and this is how we saw it happen with, with Grenada, was that this is a direct style of play. So don't expect a lot in, in most cases. Well, I should say this. In the teams that he played with, we didn't see a lot of like just moving the ball aimlessly around. Uh, it was very direct, kind of like Ike's, Ike's system under Almeida this season. It was, in terms of passes per possession, you had the ball here, ball in here, and if the ball didn't go out here, it went into... Uh, in, into the 10 here or into the pivot point uh, if the striker was present and then here and into the goal. So you're looking at maybe on like maximum six actions before a shot was getting off in this respect. Um, now the Diego Martinez, if a game calls for more possession or if he's realizing his team is in the driver's seat, you will see things be worked around a little bit more. This is not something that happens very frequently. It is more of something that happens with context. And then you'll see tighter lines like this. Uh, the, the, the positioning will be in a lot more triangles and the ball will get worked around. You'll, this, small guy will be more of a 10. This will be more of the role that we're used to seeing a guy like Cosas Fortunis playing versus a shadow role that we saw more success with Pep, a guy like Pep Biel. Um, our striker has to be able to play ball. And he also has to be very physical too. Something that's been, that was very common 
uh, with the, the the players that played for for Grenada. Um, he also ha- he can't just sit still either. I don't know how a guy like Yusef El Arabi would play like this when when Grenada had somebody like Saldado who was actually pretty mobile. Um, but in in terms of the grand scheme of things, you're looking at at generally uh, very direct ball playing. It's going to be a few passes, stretch the field, and either the ball is going to play into the corner. Or if the defense is drawn in, the ball is going to be played uh, either forward in here or it's going to develop a little bit more slowly. Uh, now, again, this is about as general and as consistent as the ball I could see. The, I should say the possession ball I could see getting played. The, the big thing, though, that you guys have to remember is that the system that we will see under Olympiacos will most likely be different than how he's played under Espanyol and under Grenada. We know based on some of the games that he played with Grenada that we can play uh, possession ball, move the ball around very well. We can also play very direct, but he changes his system so much. I mean, guys, I, I, I'm not kidding when I tell you it, it, there were there, a couple of times last night and this morning when I watched tape, four different games, I saw four different styles of play being played. That's that is this guy is not he's he's a modern coach. He's not sticking with he's not sticking with one scheme. He's very much uh I want to say it was uh uh Gasperini that said this from Atalanta that there's no more like systems and formations in football. It's it's shapes and and spaces and then counter spaces to what you're seeing. That's that was a I believe it was either Gasparini or Spalletti. Okay, and and this is that type of coach, uh, and and that that leads a lot of other questions that we need to address. But um, the the next thing we'll get into is the is the pressing scheme. Um, Costa, was there anything you wanted to add about the possession before I go ahead and share the screen for um, the the pressing? No, you can bring the screen back up. I was just going to say like. I think as a as a starting point, as you mentioned, like tactically, four two three one's gonna be perhaps option number one for him. But I think from what I saw as well in some research, he you know, he he'll change the system during the game as he needs to. I think in Europe he might might be a bit more conservative. Uh he might bring bring a player back and make that 4-2-3-1 a 4-3-3 with a holding midfielder that sometimes even sits in as a sweeper. Right. Like a little bit like Gaturanis did for the right. Euro 2004 team. I think Vinny Sosa was doing that for for Espanyol. Um, but also what, what I noticed a lot was that his midfielders, they have to run. Yeah. Like they, they, they absolutely have to have to have the legs to run uh, i think um yangel herrera was a really important player for for granada mm-hmm. in that in that third season i think he was on loan from manchester city this uh, venezuelan center midfielder so I, I mean you know i think it's been commented as well by a few people already in the chat if you look at our current midfields to me okay obviously huang is in this system Huang's going to be an important player in the system. But the other name that comes immediately to my mind is Agibu Kamara. Yes. 
you know what? You know what? And you're, you're going to understand when I talk about the pressing. So if you guys see the screen that's up now, this is going to be more about his pressing scheme, which is the more consistent and, in my opinion, the more important part of his philosophy. Because even though most Spanish coaches – uh, I think it's fair to say maybe it's a little bit of a stereotype, but a lot of them, a lot of them, you can classify them as the more we have the possession, the less likely other teams are to score. Uh, Ari, it, it doesn't. Yes. Can I ask you a question? Like something, Go something ahead. else that I noticed from Granada. He had Antonio Puertas playing on the right. He's a left-footed mm -hmm. winger that likes to cut in from the right-hand side. Yep. Um, did you notice? I mean, you, you talked about width. Talks about width and how his, his wingers like to play on the touchline and give options to the, the shadow striker or the 10 and, you know, either give an option to the centre midfielder to play it in, play it back, play it out to the wing. So my question is, did you notice any trend in which he likes to play with two different wingers, one that likes to likes to cut inside and give space to the, to the wing backs? And then on the other hand, have have someone a bit more direct that would run down the line. Is that a trend in all his teams or was that just Granada? It was not. I for, look for me. And again, my, um, you know, it's not like I watched dozens, dozens and dozens of hours of tape. I watched a few hours of tape. So it's hard for me to determine a real pattern for me. The decision that I noticed, whether he was going to use more of a direct winger or more of an out and out winger, all of it came down to context and the type of team he was playing against. So, in games where he was playing deeper and relying more on the counter, we saw a lot more of the, in. Uh, I'll say like inverted play from a winger, right? So you mm -hmm. saw this against Barcelona. You saw this against Atletico Madrid. You saw this against Real Madrid. Big teams, we saw a lot of that. So I viewed it more as a contextual thing and less of a, of a consistency type of thing. And, and, but in, in most, the, the, here's the thing though. In a lot of these games, he, he like you, you saw more respect for the opponents. And in that, I mean, it was more of like a, a defense first ideology because let's be, let's be honest, the, the teams that he had, uh, they, they, they weren't as good as in on paper as a lot of the teams he played against. So it would start out always as like a defense first thing. And then depending how the, the flow of the game would be, it would change. So in the middle of a game, I mean, you saw this in, in, in his results, he got with Grenada against Real Madrid, against Barcelona, um, against Atletico Madrid, against Villarreal. You saw things like this when, 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 when the game, when the, when the context is going in his favor, he is an incredible game manager. He'll change things like that. Bring people on. Doesn't matter what time of the game it is. He's going to bring people on and 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 make moves, open things up more offensively if it has to. He's very dynamic, very different from what we saw when we were analyzing the shapes of Gorbaran last year or some of these other coaches. And and Costa, real quick before we get into the pressing, I think this is another good time because a lot of people have come in and out. Um, and are, have been watching the uh, this tactic discussion. Guys, if you haven't done so already, hit that like button. Uh, subscribe if you like the content you hear. You like, if you like the analysis that we do, we do this all of the time, whether it's players, whether it's coaches. Give us a follow. Help us grow the red and white community. It costs you nothing. It means a lot to us, and it helps us continue to find even more fans of Olympiacos, fans of the red and white, fans of El Nico Podosfero, Greek football, 
So please hit that button. Help us with the engagement. It boosts the algorithm for us so that we can continue to connect with even, even more fans. Um, <laughs> I got a but... good one. This is a comment for you, Ari. Um, Ari, placa, placa, δεν μιλάς με Μαρινάκη να πάρεις ένα καλύτερα σε πολύ ωραίος χωρίς πλάκα. Μπράβο σου, είσαι πολύ καλός αναλυτής. Ήθελα να σου το πω. Μπράβο σου, κανάλι σας. Είστε κάθε ένας φοβερή. Um, quick translation. Uh, George Sakoulas says uh, Ari needs to talk to the chairman. Uh, great analysis. They should hire Ari as an analyst. Um, congrats to the channel. Um, you guys are all are all fantastic. Thanks very much, George, for the comment. Show some love. Show some love. We did this. Uh, we did this for when Corberan was announced last year. Let's hope it pans out a little bit better. At least this <laughs> is a this is a this is a summer signing. Let's say this is the hopefully the coach for at least the next two years, guys. Again, I mentioned earlier, need to be patient. Need to give the coach time. Can't just wave a magic wand and fix everything. There's a lot of things that need fixing at the club. At least, I think this time round, there, there there are positive signs. There's there's Gordon who knows him. Even the the head scout, the chief scout, is someone that knows um, that knows Martinez from their time at Sevilla. There are some rumors as well that I need to address, like Predrak Djordjevic, the legend, the captain. He he posted a, a picture of him alongside the Olympiacos logo the other day and you know everything on socials was was going a little bit crazy we we don't know anything more at this stage he posted another picture of his uh of his mural at the Karaiskaki stadium that was that was wiped away for reasons I'll never understand uh, let's not get into that um but yeah there's just let's be patient there are some good things here there are good signs and um and yeah show some love guys for for all the work uh being done here and you know the the, the tactical masterclass that ari is putting on i think it may be even better than that that video of the 4-4 game between villarreal and uh and granada in their first game in la liga uh, thank you so much, George. Uh, I, I really appreciate it. And uh, everybody that sends me these messages and uh, about the analysis, I really appreciate it. You guys just reaffirm uh, for me and, and give me the energy to keep wanting to do this. So I really appreciate all the kind words. And uh, I also appreciate discussion. If you disagree with anything I'm saying, just let me know. Um, I guys, uh, there, these... there, there are 59 of you on YouTube right now, and we have 36 likes. For fuck's sake, what's wrong with you? Just like <laughs> click the like button right now. <laughs> Seriously, uh, some people are, are asking, Is Iraola, you know, Alex is saying, Does does Ari agree that Iraola would have been a far better choice? Can Marcelino go to Olibiakos now, guys? Marcelino was never coming to Olibiakos. Literally, Ever. literally rejected our approaches at least three times. Um, Iraola, this like the whole Iraola debate is really interesting because if you look at both of them, actually Martinez has achieved more. But yeah. it's Iraola is the one that's on the up because he had yes. a really good season at Rayo, like this season as well. So I, I find that really interesting. You know, a lot of people were kind of. You know, adamant that Iraola is a better coach. We'll see. Time will tell. But honestly, looking at their records, I don't think that I don't think that Martinez has anything to envy from from Iraola. Iraola doesn't doesn't have the European experience. 
Either. That's that's that is a very valid point. And uh, guys, like I said, once I get through kind of the defensive oriented structure of this, I will share with you my opinion, what I think in terms of that and what I think also in terms of the players and Costa will share his opinion as well. We'll get to that point. Um, but uh, up next, we have the more defensive scheme and and this scheme is really the more one of the, probably the more consistent aspect of his game than the offensive part because the offensive part changes so constantly whether it's whether it's going to be um uh Grenada or Osasuna or or Espanol the the shapes change so often and and for for different reasons against different coaches against players things like that but the defensive scheme was a lot more consistent and I'm going to explain so what I have here, I have a cut in the red squares. That's kind of the opponents, just so I can give you guys a general idea how the approach is. And in the black, of course, are uh, the teams that have been coached by um, Martinez. So what I have here is I just kind of made up like, you know, a little bit of a shuffled 4-2-3-1 just to, to imitate kind of what it'll look like after a play has gone to a, either a dead ball or to a goal kick just to simulate that. Uh, regardless of what the scenario is, whether the ball is actually going to end up over here, whether it's a goal kick or not, uh, you're going to see usually one of two things happen. And the first thing that happens is as soon as Martinez's side loses the ball, you are going to see a shape change. The back four are going to immediately come in line. Now, I do want you to pay attention to where the placement and positioning is because this matters. Um, you're going to see the striker will always stay in front. And your double pivot here, one is going to sit back and one is going to join the line of the offense here. And you're going to end up seeing what ends up becoming a makeshift 5-4-1 off the ball. The back line is going to adjust based on whoever this point is. And then this midfielder here, is going to be making adjustments depending on where these individuals are. Um, now, similarly, if you remember the the deep dive we did on Corberon, uh, this this striker, whoever this is, is usually the first pressing point, one way or another. He's the one running to the ball because these individuals right here, not the wingers necessarily, but the inside here. So this is usually the small. And this is usually whoever the the deeper CM is. It's usually if you're if you the eight, we'll say. Um, whoever's playing more as the offensive role, he's going to be staying up here. And these two are adjusting depending on where this run is going. So the ball is going to be played out here. He's making the run. Usually it's not always an inside run. Sometimes it's just straight on. Um what I noticed was happening instead of like most teams that press where the players will press in a manner to force the ball wide. Martinez's system does sort of the opposite. You will see the runner, whether it's one of the center mid or the, uh, the shadow striker or sorry, the, we'll call him the small are actually going to make a run kind of, towards the outside like this to force the ball to be played inside. And then this is where a lot of the interesting things happen in the Martinez system, because this press, it gets, it gets very high uh, for the most part, especially in his first season in La Liga, 
This line was extremely high up. These wingbacks were coming in and they were pressing really high up. And all of this created mayhem in the opponent's third of the field. It didn't matter who Grenada was playing against. It could have been Barcelona. It could have been Real Madrid. The, the press was relentless. And all just to, to, to win the ball in these danger areas. And he doesn't want to just win the ball in a danger area. The idea most consistently... Um, and we saw this, we saw this in the, the Villarreal 4-4 game. We saw this in a lot of the games, especially against the better competition. Winning the ball here and not just winning the ball and playing it wide, it playing the ball centrally. This is what the danger is. This is where we see a lot of these danger balls come in, whether it's shots from the outside 18. A lot of these balls get played through right here. And it happened. Uh, with such remarkable consistency that I have to believe that one of his core components of his press is to lure the ball centrally, which is interesting because at the very least, since I've been studying tactics, since I've been watching coaches, I, I don't think I've ever seen somebody consciously try to do that. It's remarkable. It, it's very unique. How that ends up working against... Uh, teams in Greece, you know, we'll see. It's but it's it's just very interesting to me that that is how he pref seems to prefer to do things at least consistently. Um, then then we also see things like this, and this is going to be probably a little bit more familiar to you guys. I'm going to reset a little bit here. Uh, just draw, bring all my pieces back here. So you have your your five four one. And we're going to go back. We're going to go back to the dead ball situation. So we're going to put our striker back here. We're going to have our other mid here, and then we're going to have, um, we're going to have our wingers here. So, so in other situations, you might you'll see something like this, where um, the so you'll have the press actually come from somebody back here, and the striker is going to try and take this ball away. Um, and force the long ball to be played directly from the goal kick here into this midfield. And this is another situation where uh, you saw Martinez's team get in trouble because then it's up to the, the last midfielder back to make the press, or you'll even see the center back coming up and making the press. That's how aggressive it gets. Uh, and again, this is in that, that middle position. Uh, again, all trying to force the ball, uh, the turnover here. Now, in some of the cases against Espanol, you saw a lot of turnovers here, counters coming in straight down the middle. But against, but while he was coaching Grenada, you did not see him eat a lot of scenarios like that. And he does admit, he does admit that you know one thing when he came into the to the La Liga first division uh, with Grenada is that they underestimated how vulnerable one mistake and one play can lead you to getting a goal scored against you. But for the most part, the murder ball that people described it as, he he really didn't suffer a lot of consequences with it as much as I would have expected for how aggressive it is. Um, but uh, don't be surprised again if you see these the center backs uh, making these and then the wing backs recovering to kind of make that back three. Um, when the ball comes out wide, uh, here, I'm going to reset everything, uh, back to kind of our makeshift five, four, one here. Um, so when the ball 
if the ball comes out wide, you have your striker here, ball gets played to the center mid. Uh, it, let's say the wing gets drawn here and the ball comes out wide. This is a spot that a lot of people may expect. Okay. If this individual that's out here wide, your winger overcommits instead of one of these central figures, it leads you a little bit exposed. Uh, generally what we see are one or two things that, uh, that are done to compensate. The right, the right wing back will immediately come forward with the center mid occupying the center back space and then the center back occupying here out wide. Uh, all the while, the entire formation is coming more condensed and coming to the left side here. Um, when You'll notice when, when Martinez teams don't have the ball, they kind of collapse onto where the ball is. Everybody makes those movements except for this individual. He usually is staying in a space that's open because you always need to have at in one outlet, at least again, based on what I saw in the plays and the defensive schemes that were being run. You want to have a, always somebody that's an outlet when you turn the ball over, because a lot of these game plans are about winning the ball in these high press situations. So don't be surprised if whoever's playing striker isn't necessarily running box to box and tracking back a ton. Uh, he's going to be, following the scheme but he's going to be staying in one of those more open situations so that when these areas get closed down and the ball gets won usually by the second person coming in there's an easy ball to be played with a quick opportunity on goal um so that's generally the scheme of how the defense works in these situations with uh with martinez and there's guys there's so much context what i showed you was about as as average and as basic as I could make uh, from everything that I saw, but there's so much context. There's so many rules um, for, for, uh, or I should say exceptions to these rules. And I'm, I'm going to bring it back to things that I already brought up to you guys earlier on. So he plays with a lot of different schemes and he changes things up depending on who he play against. It's very routine. Don't be surprised. If you guys remember in the third season, we had Pedro Martins when we had a lot of different formation changes and it felt like we were losing our consistency. We were going to four, 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 three, 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 four, three, four, two, three, one. And then uh, uh, five, five uh, or three, five, two. Um, a lot of different changes in that respect with Pedro Martins. Don't be surprised if we see a lot of those changes and adjustments with Martinez because with Espanol, I mean, I already brought it up earlier. There was one point I watched four games, four different schemes in those four games that could happen. Whether it's the players that we have or whether it's the teams that we're coming up against, he will make a lot of adjustments. Um, another thing, uh, the, I'm very curious to see how he adjusts based on our player pool because Ghost already brought up. I already brought it up. The, this Whatever we do under Martinez is going to require people that can run. One of those midfielders will be 100% Huang Inbong. He's, he, this, this system, whatever system is run, he is tailor-made for this type of system under a guy like Martinez. And it is going, it, we, we're going to rely on him, not just for, for his, his pretty astute positional ability, but for his ability on the ball and his distribution ability. We're going to need that from him. But off the top of my head, you know who would be perfect for this system and a perfect partner for Huang and Baumgosta? 
Someone we know. Yes, someone that used to play for this club. There is a perfect. All I can think about is Yangle Herrera, mate. <laughs> no, he's he could be a perfect profile for a lot of different schemes, but for this Guillerme, 2019-2020 Guillerme, oh yeah, would have been great for this system. He can move with the ball, distribute the ball. He was very aggressive, um, but uh, in terms of the players that are coming back, I really believe Agibu can fit that role. He needs to be a lot more physical, in my opinion. Um, but in next, terms of how next, he reads the game interceptions, I think he can do it. I think it, I, I think in terms of the profile that we saw at Grenada, I he's not as technically savvy, unfortunately. This is where I think Agibu is going to struggle. Um, because when you look at how direct and how the ball is played, the ball was played at least at, in Grenada. I mean, there's one touch pass and move, which Agibu is, doesn't, is not stellar at. But aside from that, the behind the ball characteristics, Agibu would fit, I think, a hundred percent. But a a a Guillerme that was from the 2019 2020 uh, team would have been great for this. I don't know if in this day, how old is he now? Thirty one. I don't Guillermo think is, he. Um, Guillerme is thirty two. Yeah, I don't think you know in the current stage he fits, but that that profile I think would great. You know who else I think actually would would do pretty well in this system? Um, uh, maybe in a less offensive role, but I think Madi might not be so bad. Yeah, um, but he's gone. His mind's but that's gone. that's I know it's it's not. Yeah. Um, it would it would. I mean, I think if Madi had his head in the right place and yeah. he wanted to stay, without doubt, without doubt, I'm. I'm almost 100% certain that Yangel Herrera is going to be a name that we hear about in the transfer market, for sure. Right. Is a player that's basically, I mean, he's been owned by Manchester City for so many years. Right. But has a you know, he's never played for them. He was on loan at Granada. He was on loan last season at Girona. He's got 20, 20 appearances, two goals, two assists. I'm just looking. He's worth, worth 5 million on mm-hmm. transfer. And his contract ends next year. Yeah. So if that's going to be a signing that that we make, uh, for sure, guys, this is <laughs> for sure. I'm telling you now, sign it. This is a name that's going to be playing a lot as soon as he signs. Yeah. And um, we don't one have other thing- we don't have midfielders, man. We don't have midfielders that like you know, looking at the analysis that you've done. No, we don't. I'm I'm worried about that. I'm worried about, and that's one thing I'm worried about because I don't know. Well, forget just the midfielders. We don't have a lot of players that I think can do the running that's going to be required, and at least to press in with the intensity that we that that he seems to like to use, which then means if if you look at the pragmatic side of how he does things, we will see things happen a little bit uh, uh, deeper. Um, uh, side note, Costa, it, I know there were like random rumors, but man, if we could get, uh, Vinicius Souza from, from Espanol, he's on loan. He's on loan from Leno. Oh, he, man, what a player. What a player. Let me tell you guys, he, I watched some just to watch him a little bit because he's a fun player, but here, one more caveat about Agibu, and this is where things get a little bit tricky. Um, even though he has kind of like those defensive statistics I brought up to you in, in the, the pass and move, that's where his game kind of lacks. He can't do one touch, at least 
very consistently and very well. But if he's going to be playing as the guy that sits in front of the defensive line in that kind of back five off the ball, Agibu doesn't have the, the distribution capabilities to get the ball quickly out wide in distance, which means then in order to accommodate that, you would have to switch. If you have Huang and Baum playing, you're going to have to switch Agibu to be in that four, that line of four up front. And in Bom Huang is going to be in the back. And Six. that doesn't necessarily work either because you want in Bom to be a pivot point that we can get an outlet to get the balls to further forward. So it's yep. it's tricky. And and you know, that gets us onto the next part of the discussion here is that now that we've kind of gone over all of the the, the, the more like the general tactics, which as I explained, guys, we could see something vastly different when he views our players. He could change this up. And then we could see different things depending on who he plays against. Um, we had a couple questions about, uh, you know, Iraola. Would I have preferred Iraola over Martinez? And I think you hit the nail on the head perfectly. Iraola plays generally a much more attractive style of ball, or played, I should say, a little bit more attractive, more offensive oriented. In would he have been on paper maybe a more Olympiacos coach? A, a, a style, a coach that would have played a ball 100% more how we expect Olympiacos to play? I think that's the case. But it's a question of reality here. Would we have gotten him? I don't think so. Do I think, in my opinion, that maybe he would have been better suited to play the type of ball people want? Yeah, I think that's true. But I think that people are being a little bit more negative on Martinez than I think he deserves. Because... I've seen enough that can tell me that we he can play offensive-oriented and possession-style ball. I think the problem is going to be less so what he does and what he wants to do. It's going to be more so the players at our disposal because and this is the more – and for me, this is the more important discussion, Costa. What players can he use of what we have? We went over the keep cell loan. Um the you know we we talked about Agibu. We talked. Uh, uh, did you did we talk about Zinkernago? I don't remember. No. Um, Zinkernago no, could be could be coming back. So the the, the news the news is that Zinkernago they want Zinkernago back for training. They rejected an offer from Chabzonspor. I heard. Uh, we know that you know he said earlier on in the season that he wants to stay at, at standard liege that's not happening guys standard liege doesn't have the money to keep philip zinkenagel his value's gone up as well from to around 4 million they don't have that kind of money uh, what i was worried about cuz i personally would like to see him back in uh, in pre-season fight for a place in the squad again i think i i think you know we talked about it before on the show i think what we saw last season for many reasons it, it didn't work out for him um, I think his numbers speak for themselves. Like he's a midfielder that scored ten goals last season. We don't have that. Don't have that. Right. He's versatile. He can play in lots of different positions. Some might call that weakness, but um, you know what I was worried about is Bruges because his coach at Standard Liège is the same coach he had in Norway, and he's gone to Bruges now. Bruges has money. Uh, Bruges yeah. is playing in Europe, but Bruges um, haven't made a move for Zinkenagel. So uh, for the moment, I think, I think he'll be, he will be coming back for preseason. 
I think that's good news. I think if you you look at the type of players that he wants, I think it's the type of player that he can use. Just don't know how consistently uh, or if he's going to be a starter all the time. And Agibu, you know, you put Agibu there as well. Agibu is is another player that we've we've been hearing about that they want to see back at, at preseason. Generally, out of those seventeen loanies that are coming back, I think they're not going to be more than two or three that are oh. going to make the cut. And two of them are the ones that we mentioned, Agibu and um, and Zinkanagel. And Agibu is going to be away. He's going to miss. Uh, he's going to miss part of preseason because he's going off to. What is it? Um, Copa Africa under 23s with uh, with Guinea and Algasin Bars going out with him as well, and I think he'll be maximum finishing the the under 23 competition on the 8th of July. So that's three days into preseason camp in Austria. Not great, um, but but yeah, those those are two players that I think we'll see back this preseason at one stage or another. I can't like to your point though, Ari. Like, if you hear, you know what we've been what we've been talking about, what's been discussed about transfer priorities being a striker, uh, two centre backs, a winger, a centre mid. The way I see it, like centre mid for me is really becoming. Uh, all those positions are important, but if I would have to prioritise like centre back, centre mid on the same level, then do you think? Do you think we're going to see any kind of discussion? Like, and I know this this is a completely theoretical question, but do you get any vibes about Pep Biel as a as a point man at the beginning of the season, bearing in mind the El Arabi situation and that they might want to offload him? That leaves us with Algasim Bar, who's going to be in Africa until mid July. It leaves us with with Biel and Hassan. Right. So what do you think of that based on uh, what you've seen? So he did run at Espanol a couple times, a 4-3-3. And that point man was kind of, you know, uh, behind the wingers sometimes, moving. Um, I think uh, I think I, 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 it wouldn't surprise me to see him try a, a, a false nine in the 4-3-3 type of situation. But it, he didn't do it that often. So I honestly, man... If, if I don't imagine we will see if, if Pepe was not being used as like the little man in that in that setup or like sitting behind the striker, I'm not quite sure what I'm not quite sure the role. I mean, if if he's using Pep BL on the wing based on how he uses wingers, I don't know what kind of success he's going to have. It'll be very inconsistent. It's going to vary a lot depending on who we play against. Um, but I, I don't, I don't know. I, I don't see Pepe is not physical enough, man. He to play in as a point man in these in this type of role. I mean, the dude these these guys that play as the point man like so, like Soldado when he was playing for Grenada back was a goal. monster. Yeah, back to goal. I mean, I mean, getting in the faces of defenders. Did you see Pep Biel doing that? I don't. I don't know. It's no, tough, but then he's been an absolute mystery, really. And so, yeah, you, you know my opinion on this. I don't think we saw we saw anywhere close to like his best last season. But I, I have another question for you. And I, what about that Enganche position, like the the ten? 
Because the way I'm looking at it, to be honest with you, from everything that I've seen and heard, if I take Biel, Fortunis, and Zinkenagel, I'm telling you right now, that's Zinkenagel. That's it, it. Like it gives me like his system. It gives me Nottingham Forest Zinkenagel vibes. Yeah, like that that free kind of role that he had in a three-five-two, where he was kind of a striker sometimes when he needed to be, but sat a bit deeper, driving through the midfield sometimes. You know, out on out wide on the left, cutting in. That's the profile. Yeah. Isn't it? That's my feeling if you look at our tens. I I agree with you, but I also think Zinkernaga will find success kind of how he's found success, even playing on the left at Standard Liege. The I saw some of the same context for his success there with Grenada, especially that third season. So I think I think Zinkernaga would be one that could find that success, whether he's playing as that 10 or even out wide. Um yes. Um, yeah, the Fuster Roll trademark. Yeah, I, 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 it's, it's, it's very interesting. The, the, but, um, there's a comment here from our good friend, Lakis Gavalas. Um, <laughs> Zinc is not staying. Dabo is the vo- only viable option of the existing ones. I, I like Dabo as a player, but Dabo and, and Fadiga. Uh, those types of players we've seen a lot and you guys have seen the stat profiles that we've done players that carry the ball forward very well. Diego Martinez's center mids. It's it's not very often that we see them carrying the ball forward all the time. It's, it's supposed to be a lot more pass and move again, how that translates to Greece, how that translates to our team is one thing, but as far as the center mids are concerned, I'm not sure unless Dabo figures out how to shore up his defensive aspect of his game, which is really bad. Um, I I don't see how Dabo has a role in a Martinez system. Um, I see a transfers coming in, man. I, I don't know. Uh, and thank you so much, Ragnarok, for that comment. Uh, uh, that it really means a lot. Um, it's uh, uh, and then you know, kind of like the the Jan and Villa thing. Jan and Villa has the distribution abilities that I think are a hundred percent needed, especially if we're going for some of those long balls down the wing. But I don't think he can move as much as is required for this for this for these systems. The 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 comment. What was that? Look at my eyes, DC. We need to get rid of twenty players. Is that him that said that? Um, we need to get rid of at least 20. I mean, there's so many guys that I don't know how they're going to, they have, how they would fit, how they would function. Bukalakis is another one, um, has some decent distribution capabilities, but how this guy, how Bukalakis fits in a system like this, I don't know. Uh, Just slow, you're out. Yeah. Um, this is, here's a good one. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Aris P, I was going to bring this up. You you beat me to the punch, buddy. What about Solis? He's shown positive things here and there, and he can't be that bad. He he can't um, have a squad role. Have you seen uh, that? Have you seen that goal he scored today? You told me about. It. I didn't see it. No, he took the ball from inside inside uh, inside our own half, and he drove through like three midfielders, 
and got into their half, offloaded the ball out to the winger, kept running, got into the box. The the um, the ball went out wide. Cross came in and like he finished it. It it was yeah. great. <laughs> it was a fantastic goal. And I know that um, one of our other co-hosts, Marshall, he was at the last B team game at Reddy, and you know he was saying it was. It was men versus boys, like when Surlis had had the ball at his feet. Yeah, and he can I run, man. He can. I, I, run I know that too. you like him. I, know I like, you like him. him a lot. Look, and and there there are people that have said, oh, he, you know, that he's not the most like imaginative player. And guys, we don't need every player to be like Huang or or Madi, like 2019, 2020 Madi Like, you don't need Surlis to come on and and be like the next. Uh, um, uh, Zagorakis, you know what I mean? This the, the guy can be a hustler and a, a good six, which I think he can be for us. I don't think he's going to be a guy, the next Wong and Bomb. I think that he would be a functional midfielder that can cover a lot of ground and play the ball when he has to. The, there was that one game that Suarez played for us. Was it a cup game? And people were complaining that they didn't see enough out of him when the guy had about 70 touches and a 99% pass accuracy. Like, that's what in the system you only need one guy. We already have Wong and Bum. You don't need anybody else to be a major creator in the midfielder. You need an engine. And if he can do that, I think he's fine. I think he'll I think he would work. And the and what this midfield's going to need under Martinez is people that can run. And that's what she, and that's what he can do. Like Masuras guys, um, we, we had to talk about like the inverted wingers. Um Regardless, Masuras is going to play in this system because he can run all day. He'll press, and and you know Martinez is going to make use of those inside runs. That's if if we're basing it off of what's available now. Masuras is playing. Get used to it. Um, but there's going to be a lot of signings that we need, man. I mean, we're going to need at least a new midfielder. I mean, uh, uh, right back Rodine is going to need help. There's no way he can keep up with this with his uh, his duties as a wing back. There's no. Do you way. think Andrucho stays? Oh come on! I, I, yes, unfortunately, I do. Like I don't want him to as a as a wing back, but I don't see this. We don't have the greatest track record of of acquiring fullbacks, so I wouldn't surprise True. me. It wouldn't surprise me. True. And then the last question, and we are going over an hour here, so I know we're getting ready to close up. But there's a huge question here, and we, you know, for all we talk about this and that, the national team in Poyet. What role does a guy like Costas Fortunis have with a guy like Diego Martinez outside of being a super sub? I I, I think 100% Diego Martinez is going to use Costa. In in what in what degree? I I have no idea. Uh, I mean, the we talked about Gus Poyet. How you know? And and we all know this, guys. Costa. Part of what you love about him is that he just has certain instincts. And when he he does certain things, it's uh, he can be magical. But what annoys some coaches is that that doesn't always follow the game plan. And Diego Martinez, one of the things that I read about um, when I was first Googling him, um, a lot of people talk about how the players have to buy into the system. Um, he has the, the Michel effect on a lot of players. Um, but the system doesn't work unless everybody buys in. And that's why he's able to change systems and players just, they, they go with it because they trust him. And he, he has an effect with some of these players. Um, 
if if Costa isn't going to adhere to that, I don't. I can't see. Uh, besides the fact that you know how much running is involved, I don't necessarily think Costa has a problem. We saw him track back this year. I don't think that's an issue, but I don't see how Costa is more be, would be anything more than a super sub under a guy like Diego Martinez. But I do think he would be a very successful super sub. Um, I just don't know. I don't know how he would necessarily fit. And I know that's going to be a point of tension uh, because, you know, he's especially now in this time of turmoil where we don't have a lot of great offensive things going forward. How can I say that our, our, you know, an Academy child of ours is not going to be one of the most brilliant Greeks with the ball at his feet of the current generation. How can we say he can't be somebody that is going to be used regularly? It's it's tough, but um, that's I think an important question um, that we have to ask. But it's going to be very interesting. Expect surprises. There will be a lot of surprises with this coach. Uh, he's going to try different things, and he's going to see what works. But uh, that being said, Costa, I don't I don't really have anything else. I mean, we've we've hit all the the key points for me for Diego Martinez. Uh, he's I think he deserves more credit than a lot of people are giving him so far. I think a lot of people are acting like we just signed um, general Gattuso and I forgot who it was that said like, this was a very um, uh, average coach. We didn't have like, or we couldn't have signed a worse coach or whatever. Like I promise you guys there's worse options. There were worse options that we looked at. Um, Bordalas in my opinion, probably would have been a little bit more negative, but it is what it is. Different. That's what it is. I think on the Fortuny subject, because it's always an issue with Olympiacos fans, I think I think Martinez is going to have to learn very, very quickly uh, about the realities of the Greek league. Yes. And the reality of the Greek league is that you need a player like Costas Fortunis. You do. It's always going to be useful to you, particularly in the Greek league. I know, uh, you know, some people will say he hasn't really done it for us in Europe, but in Greece, you definitely need a player like that, whether he's yep. he's starting, whether he's coming off the bench. Um, I think we saw what he could do this season. I think we saw a different kind of attitude as well. You know, people remember Fortunis as somebody on the pitch that doesn't really open his mouth, but he yep. he speaks as a as a captain by the football that he plays. Yep. But this year we actually saw him talking more, like getting involved, like going up to the referee, like when, you know, when there was a bad challenge, going to a teammate after a bad challenge, like those, those kinds of things, little things that you, camera doesn't always pick up, but these are important things when, when you're looking at, you know, at the football yeah. pitch. So, you know, Fortunis is also in the last year of his contract. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've, we've heard that he wants, he wants more money. It's been speculated, but, you know, I think uh, it's going to, you know, he has to adjust. Just like everybody else, he has to buy into the system. He has to accept his role. And let's see. Yeah. Let's see. It's not, and I've said this many times on the show, it's not about one player. It's not about building your building your team around one player. It's about building a team. So it's not a team around, around Fortunis. We all love Costa. Yeah. But he has a role to play just like, everybody else and maybe just to address a few a few questions that are coming into the chat before we wrap up uh uniform bakabu's gone um that was oh, he would have been uh, perfect for martinez man yeah 
Yeah, yeah, but I mean, it's a huge loss. Huge. But but okay, the guy the guy wants to go out to play in in the Arab world. He's got you know he's got a lot of money put at his feet. I didn't like the fact that you know his goodbye message was one sentence like thank you for your support it's like okay after all that and you see like all the love that he that the Olympiacos fans they they give to the players like the ones that they really like like Makabu was a really good player for us last season yeah let's let's have it right all all of that for uh thanks for your support <laughs> I mean okay he was only with us for a season fair enough but but still, I found that a bit underwhelming, you yeah. know, for for the way that the, the topic really, really has blown up. I, it might it doesn't surprise me, man. Like, not everybody, not every player that comes through like falls in love with the club and the people here, and it sucks. It is what it is. You know what I mean? Not like not like guys like. In Bampuang and said he can us that like really loved it here. Oh god, I really go. would have loved it if he stayed as well. Yeah, I man. don't know if that's still plausible, but he would be, he would be fantastic. Um, this is uh, okay. So uh, we talked about Jan uh, momentarily, or at least whether he fits or not. Uh, Manos is saying, you know, he's he's talking about supposed comments from Envila and the Greek press uh, that he wants to. Once Olympiacos wants to renew his contract, what we know about the Envila situation is that Envila is talking to a lot of clubs. Yeah, uh, in some French interviews, or some some interviews he's done with the French press over the last month or so, he he's expressed the will to play in European competition. Um, so I think I think there's there's certainly interest from from the Arab world for for Mbila. But I think he's waiting for something in Europe. I don't know if he's gonna if he's gonna get what he's looking for or if he's gonna accept a pay cut because Mvila right now is one of the highest paid players at Olympiacos. Over yes. I think it's over two million a euro a year contract. Yep. I thought it was two point five. I think you're right. Um so yeah, I'm not I'm not really sure. Like, is he and we we I'm not I'm not trying to draw a parallel between the El Arabi um renewal and, and Envila. I think these are two different things. But you, the lesson learned from the the lesson learned from the El Arabi situation is that you don't renew a contract based on performances prior. Yeah. You award a contract based on what the player can give you moving forward and if it's a player that's been with you for a while yes you take into consideration the contribution of a player but we have to bear in mind the season that we've just had and where what we're trying to build so you have exactly. to put the money that you think is worth what he's going to give you bearing in right. mind it's three years later exactly <laughs> Asking about Morata. Morata. I mean, that's an interesting one. I have not seen anything about uh, Morata links. I, I thought I saw the only thing I've seen about Morata is a link to to Roma. 
Um, I don't know about anything coming to uh, <laughs> uh, Olympiacos, but the uh, if you guys listen, there's a podcast that I listen to, uh, the Roma Press podcast. Just because Roma, uh, my uh, a good friend of ours and and uh, a blogger of ours as well, uh, Vimo's a huge Roma fan, so I've I've always kind of paid attention to them. But I, the, according to them, Morata's signing with them. Uh, and they've already agreed to like a, a deal or something, but uh, something along those lines. Anyway, I I don't I think, think this that's is happening. I think I think uh, Manos has answered it for me. <laughs> it's not gonna yeah. be What's he so. gonna do here? He's literally a player that's worth twenty million. He's got a year left on his contract. Uh, oh oh, uh, I'm sorry, uh, Iron Man. <laughs> respond, respond in Greek. George does understand English. <laughs> Roma, man. Tapai Roma. Tapai Italia. Don't worry about it. He's not coming. <laughs> Don't worry. <laughs> oh, God. Um, here's one from Lucky. I hope people don't think that the mistakes in the roster of the last few years can be corrected in a year. It's going to require the sacrifice of two managers, given money values and patience. Um, well, look, the forget the patience part, but he's absolutely right here. And even even uh, our co-host Martial has brought this up too. That this mess that that we have right now, it's not fair to put this all on one person one sporting director, one coach to fix in one year. This will take time to fix. I mean, I expect more loans out. I think, um, yeah, it, more loans. And I think I wouldn't be surprised if this year it, we see growing pains as well. I think that could happen. I hope for the best, but man, I... It, Bakayoko. Oh, God, the team, the, the team way Bakayoko stuff again. I don't want to... In Elefteros, uh, I, I would not exactly. be super thrilled with him. I'll be honest with you. I, I'm not a huge fan. That's my my personal thing. I'm not a fan. Pola onomata, Georgi. Thakusis pola onomata fetos. What else have we got? We're going to wrap up shortly, guys. Kostadinos uh, Georgis is chiming in. If Socrates was still the owner, Polybiakos <laughs> Morata would be the third option. Edax. Edax. <laughs> There's got to be a good mix. <laughs> Come on, guys. <laughs> Come on, guys. Steve, Come on. Uh, there has to be a good mix of young players and, and older players. Costulas is a massive talent. Uh, it would I would be I would be absolutely in, enraged if we if we managed to fuck that one up. Yeah. Like we really like he's six he's only just turned 16 years of age, but but he's a player that is going to go to preseason with the first team. We know yeah. that. Talented um, kid. Really talented kid. Yeah, guy, I mean. He's already made his professional debut for the club with the B team. He won the under-17s. He won the under-19s as well. Uh, we, we really need to take care of these kids. Like him uh, and the other kid, what's his name? Muzakitis. Muzakitis, um, centre midfielder, left-footed centre midfielder that's also going to be travelling to, um, to preseason. Anyone, <laughs> oh, you got jokes, River R. Anyone who speaks Spanish will be transferred to Olympiacos. Yeah, buenos dias, my luck. I'm going to Olympiacos too, buddy. I got it. River R kills me, man. He's 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 got some comments, dude. He's funny. I like this guy. Thanks for this comment too from Alex Epithet Epithet Epithetos. Epithet. Don't know where the accent is on that. It's the Polypalicaria Thrillers Yapada up Amsterdam. 
have a good time there. Whatever. I love strip waffle. <laughs> strip waffle. Uh, yeah. Have you ever had strip waffle? It's amazing. Oh no! You're gonna open another segment now. <laughs> oh goodness gracious! Well, um, I got, we got look. It's gonna be an exciting time. We don't know if the excitement's gonna be good or bad yet. We hope it'll be good, but at least we have a coaching. We have a coach for training. This is right? the news. This is the big news. <laughs> so, at least, can you imagine if we didn't have a coach and training starts this? I I honestly thought that that was happening. I thought we were going to start trading Jose Anigo, dude. He, yeah, I was waiting for him to run trading. But we look, man, we have a coach. We'll see what happens. And uh, we can only hope for the best. Look, we don't have to worry about games at least, right, until August. Um, third round qualifier. It's second, yeah, second week of August. It's not like the Greek League is – oh, wait, no, that's right. We have dates. I forgot we have dates for the Greek League already. So – Friendlies in July, not as many as previous seasons with the ridiculous uh, schedule that Pedro was keeping with the friendlies every two days and the hard training before the friendlies. Yeah, so that's crazy. Over. I think there are going to be three or four friendlies in Austria and then a couple of friendlies in Greece and then the first official game on the 10th of August. So let's wrap it up there. Smash the like button, guys. Uh, let us know in the vote if you haven't voted already. Are you happy with the imminent coach appointment? Maybe... Maybe this show has actually changed your mind as well. Uh, leave a comment afterwards in in the uh, in the comment section. Let us know your thoughts. We catch up with you afterwards as well. Share the episode too, guys. Um, show some love and appreciation. Not sure you're going to see. Um, you're not going to see the uh, the tactical analysis that we've done today anywhere else. Um, so do feel free to share. And Ari's pointing the giveaway on Instagram is nearly finished. It ends in 15 minutes so if you haven't done everything that you need to do for the giveaway go to our instagram page right now it's pinned on the profile and you can enter that competition to win um olympiacos jersey from from last season home kit large size yet they must have lads and again guys yes yeah, subscribe if you haven't done so already make sure you hit the bell every time we go live that way if you've hit the bell when we go live or whenever there's a new video you'll be the first ones to know ari daxi master i'm good oh wait what about the poll what was the what was the results of the poll the poll <laughs> so 67 percent of you have said yes you're happy with the imminent appointment 33% no better than I expected so I, thought be, I thought it'd be closer to 50 50 that's not bad more positivity I like it it's... and this and this before we go big ups the basketball team and Sasa minus on Olympia because you didn't write it I'll say it for you that's <laughs> it all right ne uh next live when definitely next sunday definitely next sunday uh we're always here on sunday and um we'll, we'll see again hit the bell mate if you haven't hit the bell already next episode will be up follow us on twitter instagram facebook you get all that information iron man big ups i think this is a new sub i Thank think you. he is too yeah, yeah. welcome yeah. welcome hilarious welcome. guy i like him i like this guy what else is Hey, you know, do you want to wrap us up? Oh, sure thing. Well, boys and girls, this is Gate 7 International. 
by the fans for the fans. Don't forget to do the giveaway on Instagram. It is, there's a lot of submissions already. I think this is probably the most we've gotten for a giveaway so far. So check it out. And there are more things coming. Uh, the more milestones we hit, the more giveaways we do. So help us grow the community and we will get more giveaways and more content for you guys. We'll see you next Sunday. Anything interesting happens, maybe we'll do something during the week. So until then, see you guys next time. Kalinita. Good morning, I think, for you kids in Australia. Uh, have a good one, guys. We'll see you then. Ciao. Ciao.